about you, but no matter how much education I get, there's one thing I fear, and that's the pop quiz. <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like all of a sudden you get to class and there's a test. And maybe it's a scheduled test, but you just forgot about it. Or there's a question on the exam that you're like, really? It's one of those things that gets our adrenaline going. I remember in my, my oral exams, I had an examiner ask me a question. I hadn't a clue. You know, this is where either you pass or you say goodbye. And so I quickly thought and kind of answered something I thought was in the realm of what he wanted. And then I'll never forget, he, when I finished my answer and looked at him, he said, oh, I didn't know the answer of it either. I just wanted to see what you thought. <laughs> True confessions. We professors have somewhat of a similar experience. Okay, you professors, don't you ever wake up thinking, I forgot to teach a class? That actually happened to me. I'm sitting here working on a writing project, and David comes downstairs and says, don't you have a class today? And it's like, oh my goodness, and I quickly get to class. But we all have that. I now set an alarm, actually, if I'm working. Um, but we all have those experiences, don't we? Things that, that give us pause, that interrupt our day, that isn't part of our daily routine. Have you ever noticed how Jesus gave his disciples pop quizzes? Hey, who do you think I am? Right? <laughs> or Peter in the boat, and Peter, you know, kind of, well, Peter's Peter. Hey, Jesus, you know, tell me to come walk. And he says, well, come. Can you imagine Peter going, really? I didn't mean it. Um, or, you know, the disciples, you know, five, two loaves of bread, five small fish, and 5,000 hungry people, and Jesus says, you feed them. Can you imagine their experience? Well, the story, the scripture that we read kind of sets us up for Martha's pop quiz, where Jesus wants her to know him, to experience him. You know, I think many times when we tell the story of Mary and Martha, you know, when Jesus came to eat, Martha kind of gets, well, Californian, the bad rap. She, you know, we often tell the story that Mary experienced Jesus, but Martha was too busy in the kitchen. But in reality, I think Martha was a rule follower, kind of one of those people who knows what she's supposed to do, and so her tradition said her place was in the kitchen, not in the front room. Her role was to serve the disciples, not learn with the disciples. But Jesus loved her. Jesus wanted to, her to know her. You know, I can relate to Martha. I'm one of those people. I love routine. I am the person who taught the same class in the same room at the same time for 12 years, every semester. Routine makes me happy. Surprises do not make me happy. You know, I'm the kind of person who actually makes five years plan. Now, God laughs, but I do make those five-year plans. When my life gets chaotic, I make these lists, right? And then I love just checking it off. It just makes me feel good. If I had my druthers, if I had my choice, I would plan my own surprise birthday party. <laughs> I think Martha was a little like this. You know, you can almost hear it in her voice when Jesus comes. Jesus knew, Martha knew that Jesus could heal her brother. Her plan was, 
Jesus would come, would heal my brother, everything would be good. Don't we often do that? If Jesus would just do things my way, everything would work out. You have to wonder, and maybe she even knew that Jesus could, if Lazarus died, he could resurrect, resuscitate him. You have to wonder what Martha was thinking as each day passed to when they finally had to bury Lazarus and he had been in the tomb for four days and her hope died. I think we see a bit of Martha when she says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would have died. Jesus, why didn't you just do it my way? Perhaps even the underlying accusation, why didn't you come sooner? Where were you? But God doesn't want us just to know about him. He wants us to experience him. And so often pop quizzes show us who God is. The first thing that we can learn is when these pop quizzes come, we actually experience God's person. Think about it. When... When Jesus came, he began to ask Martha questions. You know the questions, right? You know, I am basically your brother. You know, God, why, why do you always make... Martha knew Jesus. He asked if your brother will rise again. Do you believe this? And I think in her mind, she thought she believed it. But you wonder if she really believed it. I remember when I was going through my Bible translation training... And I had just finished my first semester of linguistic training, and I thought we only had one semester, and then they told me I had two more semesters of linguistic training. I had $100 left. That's it. It was enough for a plane ticket back to Southern California or a plane ticket to Texas where I would continue my training. And like many of you, I struggled to pay my undergraduate tuition. It was always just, you know, bank account to the penny often by the end of the month. And I remember I just went on a hill and said, God, why do you always make it so hard? And the answer was, if you never had a need, how would you experience my faithfulness? You know, if, if Jesus had done it Martha's way, would she know him? You know, again, do you know me? I know, you're the, I know that Lazarus will rise on the, on the last day, right? She believed that. That was part of her teaching. Jesus then asked her, you know, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives will believe, will never die. And he asked her, Martha, do you believe this? And again, I think it was intellectual knowledge. Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. You know, it sounds good, right? She's got it. She knows it, but does she know it in her heart? And so these pop quizzes, what, what Martha, Jesus is setting Martha up, is not just to know about him, but to really know him. The other thing, pop quizzes, is so that we can experience his presence in an extraordinary way. Jesus came. 
And we, we, we see there were all kinds of people, but Jesus came. Whether Lazarus lived or died, she didn't know, but Jesus was there. He came. He loved them. Many times God, God's pop quizzes are moments when life falls apart. When life is interrupted by events, people, circumstances beyond our control. A call from a doctor that says, hey, we found something, we'd like you to come back in. Hey, you need to come home right now. Your mother is in critical care. Perhaps it's a knock on the door. There's been an accident. Maybe it's a panic when you realize you haven't seen your child for a few minutes in the mall and can't see them now. The moments that are beyond our strength, beyond our understanding, beyond our capacity to deal with them. I'll never forget that when that day came to me, it was spring break. We had lovely Southern California weather. I'm gonna keep repeating that. Um, I had planned to spend the week on the beach. I was there. I spent the morning reading, preparing to do my writing in the afternoon. But in one moment, my plans were absolutely shattered. I was down at the beach, watching the dolphins play in the surf, and I noticed that there was a phone message from David. But when I picked up the phone and listened to the message, it wasn't David. Mrs. Russell, this is Sean from the LA County Fire Department. We're heading to the hospital with David. I packed up my books. I, I remember driving, it was about a 20 minute drive from where I was and just thinking the whole time, Lord, just keep David alive, keep him alive until I get there. I rush into the ER and there was David, they were keeping him stable. I'm going, okay, this is gonna be okay. They do all kinds of things with hearts. They can do a, a surgery. We're okay, we're okay, he's gonna be okay. And then a surgeon came by and said, Mrs. Russell, this is worse than a heart attack. David has a tear in his aorta. Then another doctor came by and said, Mrs. Russell, your husband had had an aorta dissection and he may not make it. Another doctor came by and said, Mrs. Russell, you need to prepare yourself. What I didn't realize at the time is David had a tear on the outer wall and then the split between the inner wall and the middle wall of his aorta. And so David, there was just a thin membrane keeping David from bleeding to death. David was literally a heartbeat from dying. And I just remember a doctor coming by and just saying, is there anyone we need to call? And I realized that in that moment, this was beyond what I could do. And I, I made four phone calls. And all I could say to the people I called was, we're gonna lose David. I found out later there was only a 3% chance that David would walk out of the hospital. In fact, doctors told me most of the time they find AR dissections in the autopsies. But during that time, what was amazing is I experienced God's presence. First, I experienced through his people. People came when they got word, people from Biola and my friends and church, and we just filled up the waiting area. And I don't remember 
much of what anyone said. But here's what I remember. They brought coffee, they brought sandwiches, they brought their presents. And I remember I could not pray, I could not say anything, I was in shock, but they just surrounded me with this cocoon of love. A few hours into the surgery, a friend, I turned to a friend and just said, I'm not ready to lose David. And she said just two words, I know. No promises, no, you know, encouragement. It was just, I know. And it was their presence that comforted me. Sometimes we think when we see somebody going through a hard time, something that is just unbelievable, loss of child, sickness, you know, medical emergencies, we think, I don't know what to say. What I learned is people don't need profound. People need your presence. And it's through your presence they experience God's presence. We also experience his presence through the midst of chaos. After the surgery, I walked in. There were nine IV pumps. There was ventilators. There was nurses doing all kinds of procedures. I was signing forms for different procedures. They were just doing everything to keep David alive. We didn't know if he was going to live or die. The doctor came, surgeon came in in the morning and gave me a reality check. He said the, the surgery was successful, but now comes the hard part. You see, part of this surgery procedure, they have to lower his body temperature to 50 degrees and take him off the heart-lung machine for about an hour. David was literally dead for an hour. They didn't know if he would have brain damage, kidney damage, they just didn't know. They didn't know if he was going to come out of the coma. They had no idea. And I remember as David lived, was between life and death, I had this amazing sense of peace. In that a critical care room became my sanctuary. It became holy ground. And I realized that whether David lived or died, God was there. God was present, God was caring, and he was over everything. And so when we go through something, you know, sometimes people would come to me and say, I don't know how you're getting through what you're going through, because it, it was really chaos most of the time. And I realized I'm in this eye of the storm of God's presence. What people were seeing from the outside, this turmoil, everything, I, I didn't experience any of it. And what I learned is I could never have imagined going through it. But when I was in it, God was there. And so often we fear what might happen. But I've learned that God doesn't give grace for what the might happens. He gives grace in the what happens. And so God was there. And it's often during these times where we experience God in a whole new way. But what about when evil happens? What about when it's not disease or accident, but when it's intentional maliciousness? Where's God there? Well, I've learned we also experience God in our pain. I'll never forget being asked, what, where was God when my brother died of an aneurysm? Or where was God when my sister was murdered? 
Or where was God when my wife was beaten and raped? Where was God when people burned down our village and murdered our children? And perhaps today we're asking, where is God when a gunman goes into a high school and kills 17 people? Where is God then? All around the country, people are asking that question, aren't they, where is God? And I think if you listen carefully to Mary's question in the story, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can you hear a little bit of God? Jesus, where were you? Where were you when Lazarus was sick? Where were you when he died? Where were you? And the story talks about the pain that the people were feeling. Where is God when evil invades our life? There was a night earlier after I had come back from from where I had been working overseas. And I remember I was out backpacking. I was out in the forest right along a lake having a quiet time with God. But during this time, just memories of past evil, memories of hurt. And I remember sobbing and just weeping for hours as these memories flooded back. And finally, in the midst of that, I had to ask, God, where were you then? I was startled by the silence. Nothing. God didn't answer me. I think I was expecting something, some scripture verse that would tell me that good would come of it, that I was longing for for some kind of comfort, some kind of reason, some way to make sense of what had happened. But as I sat bewildered and disappointed, another scene came to mind. He hung on a cross, naked, humiliated, in agony, alone in the darkness, racked by pain, And as all the evil of the world, all the sins of the world were poured upon his body, in that moment, in his agony, he cried out to his father and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God, where are you now? And God was silent. Silence echoed through the heavens. In the moment of his greatest need, God turned his back on his son. In the moment that he was carrying our sin and the evil of the world, the God of truth turned his back. His own father did not answer him. But then I saw as God turned his face away from the son he loved, there were tears. As his son cried out in agony, God wept. In our story, Jesus seen the pain, the hurt, he wept. 
God was there. He does not stop evil men from doing what they wanted to his son. He does not stop evil people now. He hates it. And he will judge it. There will be a time where every tear will be gone, every heartache will be healed. But for now, disease, disaster, death are part of our fallen world. Not part of the world that God created, but God is there. In the moment of your pain, God was present. In the moment your life was shattered, God was there. In the moment you cried out in anguish, God wept. Not only do we experience his presence in these pop quizzes, but we experience God's power. We can spend years following Jesus. We can spend years knowing him. But there comes a time we have to let go of what we understand. Doing things that don't make sense. You know, God does that a lot. Think about it. Moses, Pharaoh's army behind him, Red Sea in front of him. David standing before a giant with just five smooth stones. Mary telling Joseph she was pregnant and the father was God. The absurd. The things that you can't imagine. God using you in ministry despite your past, perhaps calling you to leave a good paying job and go to seminary. And you're going, really? But you do. God doesn't always make sense. He, make, he has us do things that our friends think are crazy because he wants us to do the absurd so we can see his glory. And now it was Martha's turn. Martha, take away the stone. Can you imagine? I, I think John kind of sanitizes a little bit. If I was Martha, I was like, Jesus, it's going to stink, right? Jesus, what are you thinking? Did I hear you cry? Imagine, Martha there, Jesus looking at, and you're going, what is Martha going to do? Jesus just wanting her to trust him, to believe in him, so he could show her his glory. And Martha just going, it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. Don't we do that? No, wait a minute, are you sure? Sometimes we experience Jesus, we have to let go of our dreams, our hopes, our plans. Sometimes we say, okay, I don't understand, but move the stone. I had plans for my life. I was going to be a forest ranger. I fought forest fires in the summer and then worked on my forest management degree in the winter. But God had different plans. At graduation, instead of heading to the forests of, of California, I was headed to the jungles of Borneo. After eight years, the New Testament was complete and I headed home to complete my a graduate degree. And I remember I just really enjoyed being back home. The leaders would continue at Old Testament and I would go back every, every summer to help them and troubleshoot on the Old Testament. And I committed that I would stay until the Old Testament. But I think in the back of my mind, I was thinking, okay, Lord, I've done what you wanted, now I can get back to my plans. You know, marriage, a good job, home, family, my dreams. Although I knew I was going back only a short time, I struggled with it because I'd be the only single 
in our organization on the field, and it was very lonely. I had friends in, in the community, but there's something about having another single who I could talk to. And I remember I was grumbling to the Lord about going back, and finally, as I often do, I went down to the beach and sat on the beach, and I was grumbling. And all of a sudden, there were dolphins, a lot of dolphins, playing in the surf, surfing, not fishing. They were just having fun. And the Lord just struck me and said, Sue, when you go back, go back with joy. And I remember, okay, Lord, I'll do this. And so I went back home, and I kind of painted a picture. I put up. And it was dolphins playing between two islands and Mount Kinabalu in the background, where I went scuba diving a lot, over eight years, about 60 dives in the park. And people would ask me, oh, are there dolphins? And I said, never have seen them. Eight years. I don't know why I painted this picture. I just did. Well, I went back to, back to, um, back to the field. And the summer before I completed my degree, I began to ask my director, what my next assignment would be. I thought Old Testament, maybe some survey. Instead, he asked me, told me about another language group that was just south from the one we had completed the New Testament. And he said, I want you to consider doing another New Testament with this group, since you already know the language and the culture is very similar. And I couldn't answer him. It was like, all of a sudden, wait a minute, what about my dreams? Eight years is another lifetime. I, I figured I was still young enough at that point. There was still a chance of marriage. But another lifetime, there go my dreams. And I struggled. And perhaps a little bit like Jonah, I decided to go scuba diving after about five days. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm down 60 feet. And there's not much distraction at 60 feet under the water. And finally, Lord kind of got a hold of me. He said, Sue, I want you to do this. I, I'm like, no. And as soon as I said no, I started crying. Because I had just said no. And finally I said, Lord, if this is what you really want me to do, I will obey. And I came up to the surface, and there was this co commotion. And all of a sudden, there were dolphins between two islands with Mount Kinabalu in the background. Saying yes, God show me his will in an amazing way. Martha, in that struggle, said yes, and the stone was removed. And after four days in the tomb, she saw God's power and glory as Lazarus walked out. Lazarus was an embodiment of God's power and glory. 3% chance of living. 30 days later, he walked out of the hospital hole. Every moment I wake up, Every moment I wake up, I'm reminded of God's power. Every breath he takes is a gift from God. It's 20 years now, 10 years. Oh, and the dolphins. Four years later, after saying yes to God, I was saying yes to David. 
It's 20 years this year, and every day I can't help but think of the dolphins. I would have never imagined the way that God brought us together, but that will have to be a story for another day. Yesterday was the start of Lent, and we often say no to things as a reminder of the sacredness of this time to prepare ourselves. But perhaps for some of you, Lent means saying yes to something God has been asking. Perhaps you have a friend or a family member that needs to be forgiven. Perhaps you are struggling and need to ask God that question, where were you? Perhaps God is asking you to say yes to him and to let God show you his presence and glory. Perhaps some of you have struggled to heal and need to know that God was there in your pain. When we finally let go, when we finally said yes, we will experience God in ways that we never imagined. In pop quizzes, we experience his person. In pop quizzes, we experience his presence. And in pop quizzes, we experience his power and glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your willingness to show us who you are, to challenge us, to let us to see just your person and your presence and your power in our lives. And I just pray for anyone here who's struggling that they would say yes and they would know you in extraordinary, radical ways. Amen.